Hello, baby doll. And welcome back to the Brand Spear Show. I've just returned from the first leg of the 2021 Road Dog World Tour. And better weeks have truly only been had by Reagan and Genghis Khan. I've got a little bit of a different show for you this week. We're going to get a little bit away from what my buddies have been calling Alex Jones light. Uh, the funniest one was diet Alex Jones. Um, but yeah, we're going to be slightly less apocalyptic this week for better or for worse. Um, and I know that some of you are going to think it's irresponsible that I kicked off a world tour during the middle of the state of the world. Um, I'm sorry, but I, I, I don't care. I needed it. I feel like I'm alive again. Um, and the people who have a problem, you, you don't understand what it's like to be a road dog. I, I know we all grew up as children telling our mothers that when we grew up, we all wish we could be road dogs. Everyone wants to say they're a road dog until it's time to do what road dogs do. Some of us are born with a road in our veins, and you can take the dog off the road, but you can never take the road out of the road dog. Um, I was in Tennessee the last week chasing near-life experiences, and we pulled into Nashville last Thursday night, and the first thing I saw while I was trying to park the car was a bar fight spilling out into the street. And I, my thought was, thank God, there is a place where 22-year-olds are still allowed to be idiots. But there, there's, there's different versions of Nashville, and I have mixed feelings about it. Across the country, there is a rash of bars that get decorated, and especially in Nashville, like a single woman in her mid thirties apartment. I, the word for it is art deco. I guess this is what I've been informed of and they're, and they're called these nonsense things like Liberty common, which they sound good and they sound, but it, if you think about it for two seconds, the name is annoying and it only seems like it has depth. But really, it's just vapid nonsense, like most of what happens in places like those. And I get it, like they're after a certain demographic of vapid. <laughs> they're selling to an audience that exists, and I won't be any any meaner about it than that. But we <laughs> yeah, it's just silly goose, nothing, nothing like they play music that it, um, they play music that was popular when women in their thirties and forties were in high school and college. And then they cover their fried pickles in funnel cake. Like we all know what they're trying to do and it's fine because a market exists for it. It's not for me, but Nashville has turned into a place that caters to that demographic. And that's not what I think of. Like my favorite country music is Waylon Jennings and Merle Haggard and Johnny Cash. 
um, and, and the newer stuff that follows down that vein, you know, uh, Sturgill Simpson, um, things like that. Uh, Sturgill Simpson's good. I should be able to name off five of these people. Tyler, Tyler Childers, also down that same lane. He's making real country music. Um, now it's all just the same four chord nonsense BS. And, and I get it. There's a market for it. So you can't blame these people for doing that. But we went, me and my girlfriend went to Nashville with, with a hope of finding the real thing. And, And we did a really good job, but Nashville is weird right now because you can tell that it used to be cool. You can tell that it used to be cool until they turned it into Disneyland for bachelorette parties. And the Nashville that is cool does exist, but you have to be vigilant. You have to be vigilant against the stampede of women and even men, which is even sadder. The stampede of basic bitches in brand new cowboy boots on edible marijuana. Like if you keep that goal in mind, you can find ways to stay alive. You can find ways to feel alive, which is the same thing. So like in between the bars are like these stalls of people just selling like pot gummy bears and pot this and pot that. And it, it, and, and it, just witnessing it, like we have to talk this week about acceptable ways to do drugs. Like I thought I was going to get further than episode eight before I was going to do this, but we're doing it now because I, I, I witnessed it and I hate it. Okay. Edible marijuana is for children. If you're going to do drugs, be an adult and do drugs, you fucking pussies. Get away from me with your stupid gummy bears. I know this was all a trick by Big Gummy Bear to get me to finally eat them, but I hated them as a kid, and I hate them even more now as an adult. So if you're going to do pot, be an adult and buy a bong and smoke your drugs like it was meant to be done. And don't get me started with this CBD nonsense. You just want to relax without dealing with a little paranoia about whether or not you might be a piece of shit. I am on to you. At least the edibles have the potential to make you have a one-way conversation with your maker that will probably go sideways and can get pretty gnarly. So have some respect for yourself. But I'm afraid I might have a bad trip. The bad trips are the ones that make you a better person, you participation trophy loser. Grow up and have the balls to see yourself how other people see you, you infant. Paranoia is a key benefit of marijuana, so stop depriving yourself of it. I say all of this from a place of love. But there is a weird vibe 
in Nashville right now. And you ha- you really do have to be vigilant to find the right places. And you have to ask a lot of questions, a lot more than I thought. So half their tourist shops got dis- destroyed by that Christmas Day bomb. And a tornado ripped through the other side of the downtown like a month I, I don't even know the exact time, but apparently like at the beginning of COVID, there was a tornado through Nashville and everywhere else is open for business. So like, it's really easy to go and find, you know, Jason L. Dean's place and kid rocks place. And those places have a line around the block and it's 30 degrees out. And it, it, it blows my mind because those places are not the real thing. It, and when you find the real thing, you know what it is. Like Richard's Western World, like that is real hillbilly music. They have been doing it that way for a long time because that's the way it has been meant to be done. And everything else is owned by developers in California who have not, never, not once, stepped places, stepped foot into those places and they licensed out Jason to Aldean's name. And like, and I get it, I get it, but it's just as much work to do good stuff as it is to do stuff that sucks. Like once in your life, do something that hasn't been focus tested to be appeasing to the highest number of people smoke your drugs. Really? I don't care, but do something wherever you go that has some edge to it. Put yourself in situations that you don't know the ending to. Do something. Do things that would make your parents gasp in horror, but only because they don't understand. The rest of the world is just sugar and comfort, and it is beyond boring. They are trying to make the entire world Applebee's resist the Applebee's find the stuff that exists for another reason besides separating you from your money. Find the stuff that exists because it's cool and it deserves to be shared because it's good. So we drove down to Nashville and going by these towns, mom and pop shops, these mom and pop restaurants are just completely dead. I was thinking about how many of these places that are Texas roadhouses and Denny's and Cracker Barrels and Chick-fil-A and Denny's and Red Lobster and Outback and McDonald's and Burger King and Hardee's and Dunkin' Donuts and Subway and Starbucks and Taco Bell and Domino's and Panera Bread. They used to be privately owned. And it just really grossed me up. Grossed me out. Like, we seriously fucked up somewhere in this American experiment. Like, I don't know. Maybe this is just me being a crazy person because I'm self-aware enough to know that this show is just mostly me broadcasting my insanity. And some people find it entertaining, but I feel like there should be a different experience when you get off the highway in Tennessee than when you get off in the highway in Northern Indiana, but it's all the same now. So we lost something. And I wish that wasn't true.
But while we were in Nashville, we asked every band member we could talk to where they like to go to listen to music. And we found the real Nashville. And for the first time in months, I had a near life experience. Music is meant to be heard and performed live, just like comedy. And if I get COVID and I die because I had a good time, it was worth it. Like, at this point, I've got to die sometime. And if I'm lucky, it, I, I will die after I run out of good ideas. But if I die in the pursuit of living, I'm also okay with that. Um, I will not say where we went or what we did on this podcast in an effort to protect the guilty. But if you reach out and you ask and you aren't a narc, I will probably tell you because you should do what me and my girlfriend did. My girlfriend and I did because you, you personally, you would love it. We had a great time. And um, if I ran into you and you're listening to this now, thank you. That was the best time I've had in a long, long time. But one thing I never saw happening out of this trip is that my girlfriend and I got yelled at for dancing in Nashville, Tennessee. Music City, USA. But And it's not their fault. Like The places we went were really cool. But if the bars allow dancing to live music, the city will shut them down. But we danced anyway. We, we got yelled at and we kept dancing. And for a while, we were the living ones. And if you're scared of COVID, stay home and don't tell me what to do. What I'm doing is none of your business. I, I haven't seen you in months if you're that afraid of COVID, so that's fine. Just keep yourself locked away, and me and the rest of the living people will prefer it that way. But you don't have a right to comment on what I'm doing with my life because you don't have to live it. When I die, I'm the one who has to die, so while I'm alive, I will. The, I am the one who will live it. And that, And honestly, for the first time in months, I felt full. So I've been trying to put out this podcast every week and I've been having a tough time because I don't put out a podcast until it's done. And in normal times, I could probably write a 30 minute show in a week, but it's been taking me two weeks to write a show just because it's work when nothing is going on. It's so much harder, but I sat down and I wrote this entire show in a day after being alive for a little while. And that reminded me of this, this quote from this book that in a lot of ways changed my life. I read this when I was like, I don't know, 24 years old for the first time. Because you see God, whatever one chooses to call God is one's highest conception of the highest possible. 
And whoever places his highest conception above his own possibility thinks very little of himself and his life. It's a rare gift, you know, to feel reverence for your own life and to want the best, the greatest, the highest possible, here, now, for your very own. To imagine a heaven and then not to dream of it, but to demand it. That's from We the Living. And honestly, that series of books ruined my life. But then somehow, after holding true to that feeling for years, even in apartments with no heat, Apartments where you'd wake up the morning in the morning and the olive oil on your counter was frozen solid. I ended up with a life worth living. And life is weird that way. So have you ever noticed how women say they're looking at fashion online, but really 90% of what they look at on Instagram is softcore pornography? If I watch a fully clothed lady comedian on Instagram, a certain person in my life says, who's that slut? But then on a road trip, all she does all day is scroll through these whores covered in coconut oil and half a bathing suit. All day is all she does. For entire road trips, just scrolling through endless waves of the underwear section of the Sears catalog. The Super Bowl happened, and I had a great time watching the Super Bowl, not because of the game, but because it was boring and all the good players on the Chiefs were injured. Their two stud offensive linemen were out, and once you saw the in, the injury report, and if you understand anything about football, you hopefully you understood the way it was going to go, and hopefully you made a little money off of that information. But I had a great time watching the Super Bowl because it was nice to remember what it was like to be out with people. I just want to be where the people are. That is like the key idea of being a road dog. I felt like Ariel and the Little Mermaid, which is just how I've always wanted to feel. Because after spending most of this last year half naked under a sea of hand sanitizer with masks over my nipples, I was finally where the people were. I went and I smoked cigars and told penis jokes and had a great time. I won a little money and I told a few lies. It was exactly what watching the Super Bowl is supposed to be. And, and honestly, I'd kind of forgotten how much fun it is to hang out with a couple guys who only have the goal of making each other laugh. And also it surprises me every time when someone says that they're into this show. And they mean it. When they say it and they mean it, like it, it surprises me. But it's cool to make stuff that people like because it makes it worth doing. So I'm going to keep doing that. It's amazing. Like I don't know. There's maybe 100 people in the world who are aware of this show. 
but when people tell me that they're into it and I still feel like I have so far to go, it really, it really means a lot to me. So thank, thank all of you. Um, number wise, this is still pretty small, but every week the show gets better. Um, it, but also it's a gift that I get to be bad at this in obscurity. It really is. And, and I know people have said to me, you know, you really need to watch what you're talking about on the show. Like, it's not the smartest thing for me to always talk about what I think is interesting. But I'm, I'm not seeking fame or any of that empty bullshit either. You know, like, I'm, I'm not smart enough to do that. I'm not smart enough to pretend to be someone else and to write stuff that I think is worth sharing at the same time. Um, I have a lot to say about the Super Bowl and the current state of professional football, but I'm not gonna. I, I'm gonna do that in a separate episode, um, just for the sake of keeping this listenable for people who don't care about football. So the week I left for Nashville, I was on my cell phone on the sidewalk on the way to the supermarket, thinking about a man who was murdered by the state on death row. And Chicago with a lot of snow is a beautiful but a frustrating thing. There's a hierarchy of things you can do on your cell phone when you're walking. The best thing you can do when you're on a walk is listen to the Brennan Spears show. Uh, I'm on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. And I, I need to get those subscriber numbers up. Um, but really, it's any other audio that either puts new ideas in your head or allows space in your own head for new ideas. Music without words is a good way to go. I do that a lot. Um, I get nervous when I see people who are on their phone all the time. If you're constantly on your cell phone, like you don't have room to think for yourself. And that's, I think a lot of problems we see going on in the world right now. Um, people talking on the phone. That's fine. I get it. You have things to do. Um, as long as they they can hear me while I'm trying to pass them on the sidewalk. Especially when you walk up to one of these city co- corners or entire city blocks that a lazy bastard has tried to clear of snow. Um, and the only way to get through the crosswalk or through these sidewalks is to step in another person's footprints. Because on five feet on either side of the sidewalk just has not been cleared at all. Like, I don't get it. Just do it good. You know, like, why do people not like, it's like they refuse to do shit. Good. Has a thought just never occurred to them that they could do better. Like, I don't get it. Like, I thought the point of a snowblower was that it makes it easier to do the job that you're paid to do it takes an extra 30 seconds to do it the right way but the amount of laziness out of these people is just amazing so rush Lim- rush limbaugh died this week and i have this belief that the way you do one thing is the way that you do everything And in my life, I've listened to a lot of Rush Limbaugh. 
And in my life, there have only been two things that I have agreed with him about 100%. So growing up in Iowa, driving a tractor for 12 hours a day or more during the spring or the fall, um, before cell phones, radio options were pretty limited. So I listened to Rush from, I think it was like noon to three, pretty much every day during, uh, while that was going on. Because even if you didn't agree with him, and I still don't agree with him about a lot, but he was never boring. He was always interesting. He always had a belief that always made me a little bit uncomfortable and made me question my state in the world. So the first thing I agree with him about is that you should smoke your favorite cigar first thing in the morning. Some people have the belief that you should start your day with a cigar that doesn't have a lot of flavor in it. That you should save the best thing for last. That's wrong. Smoke your favorite cigar first. Wake up the morning and do what you have the most energy for very first thing in the day. That is a foolproof way to go through life. The other thing that he was 100% correct about is whatever your station in life, do it with the same energy that you imagine Michelangelo felt when he was painting the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. If you really want to feel like you are alive, strive to do everything in your life with that energy, with attention to detail. With the righteousness of demanding the best out of yourself and the people working with you. Even if you are rearranging things in your kitchen, you should try and do it with the um, idea of perfection in your mind. Mopping floors, welding, cleaning out grain bins, sales calls, shopping for groceries. You will be amazed at how quickly people notice you are qualified to do more than mop floors if you can find that energy. If you can find that courage, the courage to do the small things in your life like your life depended on it, you will be rewarded for it in ways that you cannot yet imagine. So do things in your life like your life depends on it because it does. I looked for a long time for that direct quote from him because I, I would have loved to play it here because I, I feel like people have a wrong idea of what he was doing. Like I feel like people just talk about him on MSNBC and, and that's how he's going to be remembered. And that's probably true. The, the history will not remember him for the man that he was. And that's the, that's the price he pays for playing on that side of the aisle. But anyway, Russian peace. So back to my walk. Um, during COVID, I've avoided all places that I've had to wear a mask for the entirety of my visit. But I had to go to the supermarket to pick up some vegetables for dinner. And I have this wide-ranging theory on food. It's actually not that wide-ranging. Um, I think that meat is food. 
and everything else is a delivery device, flavoring, or bullshit. And the things that I was asked to pick up fell into the bullshit category. So I was annoyed to start with, but while I was there, I realized how easy it is to not be polite with people while everyone is wearing a mask. Small talk with cashiers is also a thing of the past, and it's because you can't see a person's humanity when they have a mask on. People keep their heads down. They avoid eye contact, and it it, it obviously makes you more submissive because when I have one, I have to fight that feeling all the time. Like, it's easier to step in front of someone to grab lemons when they have a mask on and you can't see their little nervous face about who's going to go first down an aisle. But during this entire walk, I was annoyed with the state of the world and I was thinking about a story I had read about a guy on death row. Because when I get bored, I like to get on deathpenalty.info and read about the lives of these guys who we've determined are too evil to live. Because Jimmy Fallon might be evil, but he's also astonishingly predictable. So sometimes I read murder porn on deathpenalty.info. Or murderpedia is also a good one. Um, And not a single story about a person on death row is about someone who had a normal, well-adjusted life and then one day went off the handle and committed a brutal crime. There's one story that I've never been able to get out of my head. Well, there's more than one. But in particular, I was thinking about a boy who, when he was two years old, was taken away from his parents because the police kept finding him walking down the street in a days-old diaper because his mother was a heroin addict. And he bounced from orphanages and foster homes because the only way anyone had ever paid attention to him was when he ruined things. Up until he ended up in what was basically a whorehouse before he was 10 years old. And the local sheriff knew that some terrible things were happening to him but didn't do anything because he thought it was an improvement on where he had come from. And the sheriff was happy to just be done with it, I'm sure. So he put them at, he put him in that place instead of doing something good. And the crime that this guy grew up to commit was horrific. Because horrific was a place where this man had become very comfortable. Because when he was terrible to other people was the only time he was ever seen. You read these murderer stories and almost every time you can feel some kind of empathy. The people who got murdered had it pretty bad. They had it worse than the murderer. But there is some pain that I can understand why someone would try and take it out on someone else. Even if it's from a place of trying everything 
to make that pain go away. So this kid grew up a criminal. And he wasn't able to form meaningful relationships with people because everyone that had ever been a part of his life had been terrible to him. And he wasn't ever able to see the good in another person. So one night while he was robbing, I think it was a hotel, he pulled his gun on the cashier. And after he had the money, he shot the two people who were working there in the head. Also, if you want to end up on death row, that's how you do it. Seems like 75% of the people who end up there, that's what happened. They're trying to rob a place. They have what they came there for, and then they murder the people. Like, juries don't look kindly upon that, as they shouldn't. But I think if you're going to get carjacked in Chicago, there's a much higher probability that you get shot if you have a mask on. I can't prove that, but I know it's true. Um, I think that hiding our humanity from each other is a horrific crime especially for these kids growing up during this time period. But people but people seem more concerned with not causing a fuss than being human these days. And that is no way to live. So in the upcoming weeks, I encourage you to find your inner road dog. To find a near-life experience for yourself. Reject the Applebee's. Make your life more than a sad retelling of Groundhog Day. Go out into the world and find the humanity that is there. Driving fast and taking chances is always a great place to start. I hope you all have a great week.